Smith with the track called These Things Take Time, which was taken from a John Peel session many decades ago and was on the compilation Hatful of Hollow. This is David Eastor and this is The C86 Show. Welcome once again to another award-worthy show where I'll be playing you songs you know, some you don't, and some you should. As always, I'll be crossing time, space and genre with the finest in indie pop and much, much more. And this week's special guest is going to be Rachel Carnes from the bands, and she was in a lot, Kicking Giants, uh, The Need, King Cobra, and also Cloud Eye Control. So I'll be bringing you that uh, interview in probably five easy to digest little segments alongside the usual award worthy playlist. But to kick off the show, I think we should play something from Kicking Giants. This is Ruby Red. Thank you. 
rock and roll. There you go. That was L7 and the track called Pretend We're Dead. And I played that for several reasons. One being that um, I interviewed Donita quite recently, the lead singer. And also, I think they're going to be coming to the UK and Europe very soon. And there's also a film about the band who, which is on general release or about to be. I don't know. I'm just making this up. And before that, we had Kicking Giant and the track called Ruby Red. And that was taken from a compilation that came out last year. Um, I think it was titled This Being the Ballad of Kicking Giant. Hello, this is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show. And this week's special guest is Rachel Carnes, because I caught up with her a few months ago to find out more about life, love and poetry and all that kind of groovy stuff when you're in a, a band and a creative artist. And boy, is she a creative artist. So I'll be bringing that interview very soon. Um, but before we hear the first part, I think we should play something from another band that she was in. This is, the, um, the band was called The Need and the track is called Pony for Honey. Yes, indeed, that is Kickin' Giant and the track called Make You Come. Before that, we had The Need and the track called Pony for Honey. This is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show. If you want to contact me, we always love your messages. You can via 
Twitter or Facebook. Just go to at C86show and I will be there. And as I said at the beginning, if you are paying attention, my special guest this week is Rachel Carnes, who was in many, many bands, including Kicking uh, Kicking Giant, The Need, The King Cobra and also Cloud Eye Control. So I'll be bringing you, well, I will bring you the first part of that interview because I've um, broken it up into five easy to digest little segments. And this is the first part when I ask her a bit about her background and her childhood. It's interesting stuff. The early, early, early years of my musical journey began with you know, piano lessons when I was eight years old. Uh, my family, uh, my dad was a preacher, very, very religious, very strict family. And so, uh, you know, I learned to play hymns Yes. And I learned to play classical music. And as I got a bit older, I wanted to um, be in the jazz band. And so my dad had to have a prayer meeting with the deacons of the church to decide whether or not I could go to jazz camp. And they decided to let me go. And uh, and from there on, like all hell broke loose. Eventually, it was the piano that sort of got me out of... Uh, the strict house that I was raised in. Um, I got a scholarship to go to a arts focus school and, you know, there I met my first punks and um, yeah, then all hell really broke loose. Yes. And this, and this obviously as a time thing, this was kind of in the eighties that you were beginning to sort of um, discover the world of, I suppose, indie as well as punk and, and other bands like, I guess, you know, bands like Sonic Youth and the Butthole Surfers. Yeah, yeah, that came that came a bit later, um, you know, as a bit of a late bloomer, I suppose, because I just didn't have access to much pop culture. I sort of had to um, really seek things out, you know, because I wasn't I wasn't allowed to listen to rock music, for instance. Um, I spent many many hours with the transistor radio under my pillow, you know, but uh, you know. It, listening to the Go-Go's and, you know, Joan Jett and, you know, the sort of um, the trickle down rad things that were happening in, uh, you know, pop music at that time. And at this time, you didn't have any brothers or sisters or any community that sort of, you know, played music from the sort of charts or all sort of stuff that was happening sort of from the late 70s, like punk, like the Sex Pistols or the Clash or, you know, the Smiths from the 80s or bands like The Cure. Nope. I mean, I, I came to those on my own um, through, you know, those weird treasure trails that you find when you're young that lead you from one thing to the next. And yeah, I did. I had no brothers or sisters, so I was kind of fending for myself. Um, <laughs> but anyway, eventually uh, went to art school in New York, and uh, which is where I met Tay. And um, we became uh, fast friends and, uh, and he had been playing music by himself and he's like, well, why don't let's play music together and you can play a drum. I have one drum. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think maybe I played boxes or buckets the first couple times that we played together. Um, and then, yeah, I had one drum. The first show that we played together was in a, junk shop of some kind in Brooklyn we played in the window of the storefront and he had his guitar and I had my one drum and uh yeah and then eventually I got another drum (laughs) and then I got some cymbals and yeah I sort of learned to play drums in my own weird way um just because you know the instruments came to me in that way I never learned to play sitting down um I still play standing up. And did you, and did the sound of the band come together quite... I was trying to work out if that would be quite a slow process because a lot of bands who have got quite a unique sound often say it's a, it's a bit slower to sort of to eventually get the sound that you want rather than sort of copying somebody else because it sounds like you have quite a unique way of um, playing and, and also quite a unique lineup, which is, you know, very different to most bands. Yeah, I mean, I, you know we were very young and very earnest and we were just doing it. I mean, I certainly wasn't trying to sound like anything. I only knew how to sound like myself. 
And, uh, and I think Tay feels the same. We had a conversation like that recently, actually, when we were trying to rework some of these songs for our recent shows. And that's the first part of my interview with Rachel Carnes talking about the early years. And, I, and like I said, I've uh, broke that interview up into five little segments. But um, I'll be bringing the next one after the, the, yes, another track by Kicking Giant. This is a, um, it's almost quite a long song, actually, for them. I've realised that most of their songs are about one to two minutes. But this one, I think, goes on for almost four to five minutes. This is a track called She's Real. I could try anything Not as small Used to be And you can tell my heart goodbye
the Kicking Giant and the track called She's Real, and that came from their early 90s album, which was titled Alien ID. This is David Eastor, this is the C86 show, and this is a bit of a Rachel Kahn special. I say a bit of, actually, it's completely. So, um, just because I caught up with her recently for an interview. Um, this is the second part of my interview um, with her when I ask her about um, the musical and creative journey of the band, and not just that band, but the next few bands that she was in. While we were most active as a band, which was you know, through the early nineties. Um, I think we, you know, we, we kept things fresh by, um, touring with, with people that, I don't know, we sort of had a give, give and take like Sue Fox, a spoken word performer. Um, we did a tour with her where she did a couple songs with us every night. Um, and, uh, Nikki McClure was along too, and it was just sort of, um, yeah, it was sort of the, this very loose idea of a band where <laughs> other people were involved in sort of coming and going. I mean, Tay and I were always the center, but, uh, and, you know, eventually we came to our own sort of fizzling out point to, you know, it was just, there was a certain point and it, it probably was around five years, actually, maybe a, maybe a bit longer than that when it just started to not feel right. Um, and then we just sort of went our separate ways musically. Um, and also, um, just like physically, you know, Tay ended up moving back to New York. I stayed in Olympia, um, and our lives just took very, um, very different routes. And yeah, it feels good to be back in touch. <laughs> yes, well, well, I did notice a lot of these bands that I've you know been interviewing from the eighties, especially, and like I said, they they did have this five years, and and then things just got too much, and you know people just sort of split. Yeah, it's um, it, well, it's a you know, it's a different world music wise, um, in in terms of, I mean, not only are we in our mid forties or or older now, but um, but in, but you know the way that uh the way that the music business and the way that even, you know, the way that has trickled down to DIY culture too is um, so different than it was um, in the nineties. And uh, yeah, so in, in a way it's a bit daunting, you know, to, I mean, and, and we all have, you know, we all have large lives and uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, uh, find time to just focus on playing music. I mean, I do it as much as I can. I guess I'm sort of rambling at this point. Yeah, I don't know. But then, you know, after after the first kind of band you were in, then you went into the need as well, didn't you? Sort of, you know, to follow on almost a couple of years later. So how did that band sort of come together and sort of um, progress? Well, uh, Kicking Giant played a show with the C.B. Barnes Band here in Olympia, um, the C.B. Barnes Band was uh, Radio Sloan, who was my future bandmate. Um, Tony Gogan, who was an early drummer for Slater Kinney, and Miranda July. And uh, so we played a show with them, and I was like, oh, my God, these are the people. These are my people. These are my people that I'm not finding in Olympia right now. Um, I was becoming I was just coming more and more into my queerness and I wasn't finding the sort of community here in Olympia that um I really needed around that and um and they thought I was cool too and (laughs) you know we played the show together and they were like oh my god move to Portland and be in our band and I said okay and then I just did it and it and it wasn't like uh, Kicking Giant broke up or anything, but you know, I moved to Portland and then it just sort of things just sort of Kicking Giant sort of fell apart for me at that point. Yeah, hey, of course, continued playing as the KG with Kento and other drummers and went on to um, release some really great stuff. Um, but yeah, so I joined the CB Barnes band and we did a tour, um, West Coast tour and uh, released a single. Um, I was playing keyboards in that band. And it was it was also sort of a short-lived 
band, very high drama crew, I'm not going to lie. And, <laughs> you know, everyone was dating everyone else, and then they weren't, and then everything, you know, it was just, uh, it was just a big mess. And uh, so that broke up, and then Radio and I formed, started playing music together. We formed The Need, and Miranda was our singer for a very, very short time. We did um, one single on Kill Rockstars, Miranda July with The Need. And it is weird. Man, that was a really weird band. I mean, The Need was, was also weird, but The Need with Miranda was just a weird band. Um, it was really, really, really cool. We did some really strange shows. There was one show where I like taped a typewriter to my chest and was jumping around like a bug. And that was the second part of my interview with Rachel Carnes talking about life post uh, Kicking Giant and also In the Need. And uh, yes, there you go. That's, uh, I've still got three more parts of the interview to go. But to, um, yes, to play something by another one of her bands. This is, um, this is King Cobra, and this is a track called A Charm Against Unlucky Marks. a track called A Charm Against Unlucky Marks by the band The King Cobra. This is David Eastall, The C86 Show, and this week's special guest is Rachel Carnes, who was in many bands, including Kicking Giant and The Need. And this is the third part of my interview that I had with her, um, well, which I broke into the third part, actually, talking about the emotional roller coaster of being in the band, especially The Need, because there was quite a few interests and dynamics, as all rock bands have. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and also because, um, you know, Radia and I ended up dating and um, moving back to Olympia together. And uh, and yeah, and again, The Need was a band for probably about five years as well. I, it, it is a five-year thing, isn't it? It is a five-year <laughs> thing. You know, so I, I must have interviewed about 70 bands, you know, quite, you know, in the last couple of years, mostly my, you know, my passion for indie indie rock, you know, and a few others. But it is, it's like, my God, five years, you know, it's like, yep. And then we just said no. It is that thing. I mean, it it didn't happen this way with Kicking Giant, but with The Need, you know, there was some interest from larger labels and then we got a bass player and radio is living in Los Angeles. And, you know, there was this sort of indus music industry thing that was starting to happen around the band that I had mixed feelings about. And it just sort of, uh, just sort of took the, sucked the life out of it for me. And, uh, and again, it just didn't feel right. And so, yes. Uh, so did, did the need sort of come to a, a sort of an abrupt end or a slightly predictable end or just a bit of an explosion and it all just sort of finished quite, you know, abruptly? Yeah, it was kind of abrupt. It was abrupt. I mean, you know, we had these plans. We were talking to different labels. We we're doing weird photo shoots, you know, all those that stupid stuff. And uh, 
And then, yeah, I think Radio and I just looked at each other and we were like, this just doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. And we're not writing good songs. You're, you know, we're not writing songs with the energy that it's it's starting to be work. And I'm just not really, I've never been interested in yes. uh, in turning music into work. I feel like it. It really should be a joy, you know. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I sort of interviewed um, Christine Christine Hirsch from Throw Muses, and and you know she really sort of had quite a strong ethos that, you know, she had to sort of she just didn't want anything to do with the industry anymore. She just really wanted to own the music and do it on her terms. And if it wasn't on her terms, she just wasn't she just wasn't happy and wasn't going to create anything that she felt worthwhile. So it sounds a bit like you've got a very similar sort of attitude to the, to, you know, the creative side to music or probably most things. Yeah. It's just, um, why bother? I don't, I don't need to, (laughs) life is too short. I really want things to feel good and to feel transformative and feel real and have depth, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, music is, a healing force, you know, that's part of why I do what I do. And, um, and what would you say, you know, obviously you sort of, you know, had a very intense life. I mean, what would you say to your sort of say 18 year old self who was starting out in music? Oh God, I don't think I, I don't think I'd tell her anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Nope, you're going to figure it out on your own. I have nothing to tell you. But you just wait. Maybe actually, I think I'd I think I'd tell my eighteen year old self to take more pictures. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't. That's something Tay, of course, like is an incredible documentarian and a great photographer, and um, he's been uh, releasing a lot of his uh, Olympia year um, photography on Instagram uh, lately, and uh, under. His uh, Instagram handle is Summer Guitars. Yes, if you get a chance, do go to Instagram and do look at um, Tay's fantastic sort of uh, collection of photographs. Summer Guitars, that's what she said. Pay, pay attention, dear listener, because I'll be testing you at the end of the show. Anyway, this is David Eastall, The C86 Show, interviewing Rachel Kantz. And I've still got a few more parts of that interview to go. But before the next part, I thought we should play another track by kicking giant this is your favorite my favorite everyone's favorite let's face it this is musical perfection this is satellite
show me or did I believe things turned dumb as a baby's never get bored of listening to that song every day that is satellite by the track called kicking giant do check them out because they might just change your life anyway this uh, the fourth part of my interview with rachel Carnes, who's my special guest as i keep repeating um this is a bit of a a first for this show because we decide um we decide we start talking about um life a little bit outside music and also one of the things that uh, rachel got into a few years ago was the production of Kombucha. You didn't see that one coming, did you? No, you didn't. Anyway, um, yes, in the 90s, I got into Kombucha as well, which made me slightly curious and interested to see what her journey was. I just did it for a few years, or no, no a few months, actually. Um, but she, she made an industry and a career out of it for a short time. Anyway, this is the part of the interview. We go off-road a little bit on this one to talk about Kombucha. It is interesting. Do trust me on this. Man, life is weird. <laughs> life is so strange. Um, yeah, I just, you know, a friend gave me a kombucha scoby, which is the culture with which you make kombucha. And I started making it in my house. And um, I had a friend who was doing uh, pop-up sort of secret cafes at their house around town. And um, people really liked people who came over for dinner really liked the kombucha. So I started making a little more and I would take some over there. And then a friend opened a restaurant downtown and she's like, Hey, and I want to sell your kombucha. So I started making it in the back of her restaurant, um, so that I could, you know, sell it legally commercially. And, uh, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I never did any advertising, uh, you know, it was, uh, Oh, yeah. uh, but people just loved it. Um, I used the the artesian well water um, from the well here downtown in Olympia, which I, I think is the reason really why it's so good. Yes. Um, yeah. And so then I ended up having a business like out of nowhere. I didn't never really expected that to be a, a beverage industrialist, you know, so it is huge uh here in the u.s it's yeah it's it's pretty big um and yeah so i had a you know a business that uh hired mostly um local ne'er-do-wells punk kids and so on and uh you know people were always taking time off for tour and all that and um i sort of it was a very hands-off sort of boss, and uh, yeah, it just it was a mutually beneficial situation for everybody. Um, they could work whenever they wanted, middle of the night if they wanted. They could have friends there. They could listen to music, and uh, you know, I didn't make a whole lot of money, but uh, <laughs> it felt it felt again. It felt good. It felt like I was, you know, it didn't feel like I was the boss. It felt like we were you know, peers, I guess. Yes. And does that mean that you're still doing the business and doing music at the same time? Or have you sort of got other adventures or have you dropped some bits and pieces? Well, I'm, I'm speaking in the past tense because um, last summer, actually last last summer in um, July 2016, uh, the business burned down. The whole thing, bam, it burned down in the middle of the night. Um, it was arson and, uh, I'm still, uh, dealing with insurance crap. In fact, I'm sitting, you can't see me because you don't have the video on, but I'm sitting in this room surrounded with piles of paper and all my insurance policy. It's just been this back and forth thing and I'm still waiting to get um, my final settlement on that. And, 
um, yeah, it's a really bizarre uh, and torturous experience to deal with uh, fire and insurance. I hope no one listening ever has to do it. (laughs) The tricky and murky world of running your own business, including kombucha. Who would have thought that anybody would want to burn that down? Anyway, they did sad but I'm not sure what the um that was a few months ago I did this interview so who knows I'll have to ask Rachel um if that's been settled anyway this is David Eastall again on the C86 show Rachel Carnes as my special guest and I think we should play another track by um by Kicking Giant this is again taken from the compilation that came out last year titled this being the ballad of uh Kicking Giant and it's worth tracking down because it's an absolutely fantastic collection of stuff by the band and it also has a beautiful cover as well this is a another one of those um, faves this is weird called Weird by Kicking Giant. And this is going to be the last part of my interview with Rachel Carnes. Um, when I ask her a little bit more about her, well, I suppose it's about the effects of her childhood, actually. So, uh, yes, I know I know how to keep the party rolling, don't I? Anyway, so, yes, we revisit that subject of one's childhood. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, there was there were some years there when my parents and I did not speak much at all. And... Uh, um, they didn't really want to know much about what was going on with my life and I didn't really want to tell them. And, but, you know, I'm their only kid. And so eventually, um, and I, I mean, I have to say over the years they have, they're, they're still Christian, you know, they're still evangelical Christian, but they, they have loosened up, um, quite, quite a lot. And, uh, I think they're actually they're quite sorry for the way that I was raised because it was, it was borderline abusive, you know, um, just really uh, almost spiritually abusive. Um, my mom has used that term before. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we see each other about once a year now. Um, 
but you know, I be- I became their worst nightmare, a lesbian in a rock and roll band. <laughs> <laughs> like, ugh, could it get any worse? Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> going, I, I, w- I wasn't sure if you were referring to me with the cancer comment or not, but in 2009, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, no, God, I didn't know that at all. Sorry. Yeah, I was. Like, the story continues. And, <laughs> and you know, I was just like, oh, just, I mean, it was, a lo- I found a lump on my boob, and it was an invasive kind of cancer. And uh, I was just like, oh, just take the tits off, you know, just take them off, take them both. Um, I don't want, you know, I don't want a chance at spreading. And, um, so yeah, I have a flat chest now. I have two beautiful scars. And uh honestly, like I've never my body feels so much more mine um without those tits on there. I don't know. I mean, people have very different relationships to their bodies and uh but yeah, again it was this sort of strange blessing in disguise um because uh yeah, my body just makes so much more sense to me now without Breasts, yes. and I'm cancer free, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, so it's been you know eight over eight years now, and yeah, nothing quite changes your life like uh, like facing your you know term a potentially terminal illness. Um, I mean, I was very very lucky. I caught it early, you know. Um, I just did surgery. I didn't have to do any chemo or radiation or any that sort of thing. And that, unfortunately, is going to be the last part of my interview with Rachel Carnes. He was talking about her childhood and um, also cancer. And um, part of that, that, you know, there was a little bit at the beginning of that, which um, I obviously edited out, where I sort of also mentioned that a couple of years ago I, I also got diagnosed with cancer and had to have a major operation. So we were, like, um, swapping a few stories just in case that didn't completely make sense. Anyway, unfortunately, like I said, that's the end of the show. This has been David Eastall. Thank you for listening. If you want to contact me, um, you can via either Twitter or Facebook. Just go to at C86show. Um, and a big thank you, a huge thank you, really, for uh, to Rachel Carnes uh, for giving me the time for that interview. And like I said, she was in lots of amazing bands, including Kicking Giant, The Need, uh, the King Cobra and also Cloud Eye uh, Controls. So do check them out and do go and sort of find her um, information on, I suppose, Wikipedia and various other places. But anyway, I'll leave you with another track by the band. This is um, again taken from that compilation, which is called The Ballad Being, uh, this being the ballad of Kicking Giant. Do check it out. And this is a track called Throne. <laughs> 